That was five straight losses. Gretzky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by the forever wonderful Zach Mack. Zach, I actually got uh, reported on Xbox last night because I dropped five goals on this guy's club team. Wow. Were you, were you cussing? I wasn't cussing. I, I literally, I got on Xbox after work today, and it said notice of enforcement. And I look, and I, I got reported for cheating, which made me feel really good about myself because yeah. I, I, I'm not smart enough to, like, hack a video game. It's the best compliment. It really was the greatest compliment, and that guy should feel really, really bad about himself. But there's also, we don't have a listener or a follower on Twitter that I think could beat our cl- my club team right now. It's not just me. There's there's other guys on the team, but I'm feeling very confident as of late. So it was just also, it was just you or your whole team. No, I was the only one who got reported. I asked all my buddies if they got the same message. They didn't. But like the rest of the team was like one goal, four assists. You know, two goals, three assists, all that sort of stuff. I was the only one who had five goals, no assists. Okay, okay. It was absolute schlacking. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I felt good about myself, but if I would have got suspended from Xbox again, I would have been pretty pissed. That has happened to me. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't know. You play on PlayStation. Yeah, when are you going to uh, make the move? When am I going to make the move? I'm an adult. Okay. I think. I mean, when you make the jump to Nintendo Switch and then to Xbox, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, but we do have a lot to talk about tonight, including... A player that shouldn't be in the NHL, players that are great in the NHL, and players that are on the move in the NHL. There's always a theme. And also Department of Player Safety, because I hate them. (laughs) But we're going to start with player news. Ilya Kovalchuk, guy who shouldn't be in the NHL anymore because all he does is cause problems. Off the ice, mainly. Uh, He's no longer a Los Angeles king. Everyone's assuming he's going to be a Bruin for a minimum contract. First off, what are your like? What are your? I know we've talked about him before, but what are your overall thoughts on Ilya Kovalchuk? I mean, I I don't, I'm just I don't I don't like him. I don't I don't care for him. I don't mind him, but it just it just seems like he's sticking around, like overstaying his welcome. That's what I was looking for. I just feel like he's overstaying his welcome. Yeah, I, everywhere he goes, he eventually. Apparently throws a fit and wants to leave. He it's the same thing, and it's not just like Ilya Kov. It is. It does seem like a a trend with Russian players, which I guess happens. There's a lot that goes on in the KHL that we don't know about. But like Pavel Datsuk, if he wanted to come back within two years of of going over to the KHL, I would have felt the same way. Like you don't. I don't think the NHL is. I think it's the worst run league in the world. But I also think there should be there's something to be said about being able to play in it and you shouldn't be able to come and go as you please. And Ilya Kovalchuk seems to think that he can come and go as he pleases, not just league to league, but team to team. 
Yeah, and it's just like every like the NHL is evolving to like Ilya Kovalchuk was a great player, and you know I don't think there's any arguing that, but it's these teams are just moving in a direction that he doesn't fit in, and I think that that happens when you go back and forth between leagues specifically. Yeah, we, yeah, when you go back and forth, when you get old and slow and useless, yeah. there's a lot of things that goes into him not being and it's not like teams are begging for him to right. to join their team. Like he's he's not good anymore. And you're right, he was a great player. He definitely for all intents and purposes earned that massive massive contract with the Devils what seems like 20 years ago, but was really what we we found out last time we recorded about this like it was like 8 years ago, which seems crazy. 10 years ago. But it, it, I mean if he's a Bruin it fit perfectly. Because I think of him as I think of the Bruins, just a thorn in my side. But he's probably going to end up on another team because his name is Ilya Kovalchuk. I I just hope that if he pulls a stunt like this again, that the NHL, I don't think they have any bearing to actually step in and do something. But teams around the league are like, who do you think you are? No, we're not signing you. You're just going to walk out as soon as we lose two in a row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Kings are exceptionally bad, but still. I mean, what's he going to be like? A, just like a fourth line guy with, that's on a second unit power play. Yeah, I would. I would assume that's what he is because he could probably still be a weapon if he doesn't have to move much on the power play. Yeah, not in the sense of like Ovi's a weapon on the power play because he doesn't move a lot. But I mean, he's Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, Kovalchuk could probably get in close, kind of do the Pavelski, Holmstrom type thing where he's just. In front of the net, deflecting pucks, being a big body, and then he'll get old and older and tired of the same thing, and probably go back to the KHL, where he could still probably be a god. If I had to guess, he'll find a league over in Russia or Western Europe or Eastern Europe, and and be a MVP caliber player in that league, but not in the NHL. Yeah, and I think I think he thinks he was going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a lose-lose if you signed him. I mean, pretty much everyone knows you're getting yourself into. And I think you're right. I think he's just going to get bored of, you know, if if you're not the Capitals putting up wins on wins on wins, then I think you're right. I think he's bored. He's like, I'm just going to go have fun in the KHL again. The Kings just took a 2-1 lead over the Bruins as we record, ironically enough. Uh, neither team has Ilya Kovachuk, though. I <laughs> I mean, he probably ends up in Boston, though, right? I hope not. And they, I mean, they were one of the finalists for him when he came back. I'd like, I'd like to hope that Boston doesn't sign him, but I would just hate him even more. I just. <sighs> <laughs> well, well. I mean, we'll you seem pretty sad. That, that's where he's going to be, right? Is that your guess? Yeah, it. That's my guess. It seems it almost seems set in stone when you peruse Twitter. If you search his name on Twitter, basically everyone has, has said the same thing. Boston was one of the final teams. He was kind of picking between or however it worked when he came back into the league. Uh, he obviously chose LA and Boston's probably the, the next and last destination. If I had to, if I had to guess okay. uh, players, you don't hate at least I think, Danny DeKaiser is probably out for the season. That's uh, yeah, back surgery. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I'd say it's a bummer, but 
I mean, I mean, back surgery is a bummer, but yeah, I don't for the Re- for the Red Wings at least, it just seems like. When, I mean, he hasn't played since October twenty second, uh, and they thought that he might be able to return, but now that now with a setback and back surgery, and if there's anything left for this guy to be a productive NHL defenseman, you probably don't want to rush him back in a in a year that you're historically bad. I mean, do you think DeKaiser will hang it up after this? After the surgery? I don't know. I mean... I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. I don't know any of that, but... I don't even know. He's like... Yeah, he's 29 years old. I don't think he hangs it up. He probably... Listen, if I had to guess, hopefully three more years as a Red Wing, and that'll that'll probably be it. You don't think he would go anywhere else? I mean, I, I, I never even entertained it, but... No, I don't. I don't think he'd go anywhere else, and I don't think the Red Wings are exactly itching to get rid of too many guys. Because I mean, obviously, with even before the news that he was going to be out for the year, he probably didn't have much trade value, if any. Yeah. Uh, I can't even find his. Oh, because he's on IR. He signed through twenty one twenty two. Okay, so you hit it like right on the nose. He's got about three years. Yeah, so he'll probably finish that out, and and that'll be the end for Dana Kaiser, Western Michigan grad, Macomb County. That's another guy. Like that's another local guy for the Red Wings that'll just probably play his entire career there. Um, and it's unfortunate because he, lo- I mean, he looked promising early, early in his career, other than getting speared by Lucic. Yeah, yeah. Everything was roses for him, but I mean, shout out Dana Kaiser. If there's anything left in the tank, we hope you can get back out there next year and and perform for what can only be a better Red Wings team. Like they they definitely can't be worse next year. So. God, God, I would hope not. I, yeah, I don't even want to think about that for your sake. In this podcast sake, I don't even want. But to it's think nice that we got we gave a lot of these these hometown guys their their lifelong dream during our rebuild. All these Michigan guys. Yeah, it was nice for the Red Wings to become the Make a Wish Foundation. Yeah, throughout know. their their tanking years. Uh, Jonathan Huberto is a very good player for the Florida Panthers. You want to talk? I'll let you take the lead on this if you want to. Yeah, well, I like, want you. You were tweeting about it. You were all over this Huberto performance. Yeah, you you saw my tweets. I was I was uh, I kind of dismissed it later on. I just wanted to dog the Sens. Really, they were. They look. I made the joke on Twitter that they enjoyed Miami too much the night before. I, they just looked like pylons out there, honestly. And Jonathan Huberto was uh, 100%, 110% of practice. Behind the back passes, no look passes. Dude was just setting guys up left and right. Char, you got a hat trick. I don't. Th- I think he assisted on only two of them, but four assists all in all in his 500th career game. Yeah, good for him. He had one of the best assists of the year. Like overall plays going through the center, that toe drag pass yeah. Achiari, Achiari, however. Um, it was it was ridiculous. And he I mean he deserves the recognition because we spent like I I sound like a broken record, but we talked so much about Barkov and the credit that he does or doesn't get. Jonathan Huberto has been right alongside him, maybe not performing as well, but has been a very good player for a while. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned him as much as we could when we were talking about Barkov on our top 10, and unfortunately, Huberto's 26, so he wasn't even in the discussion. But, yeah, I mean, he's top scorer on the Panthers. They're playing well. We, we talked about the Panthers go as Barkov goes 
um, when we did our top 10, it was how important he is to that success. And I don't, we can't forget Huberto. I mean, he, this guy's playing, I think, as well as he can play. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think he's playing as well as he can play. With, with what he's done, I mean, like going back to – I just can't – I'm replaying that assist in my head. And it was so good. And it was one of those things where sometimes you see incredible plays by guys who aren't household names, and you're like, wow, like good for him. That was – that was a re- that was probably the best play of his career. I'm not sure that's the best play of Huberto's career, but if it is, it'd be a lot of guys' best plays of their career because it was it was incredible. Granted, you are correct in saying that the the Senators look like pylons out there, but they're still NHL players, and Jonathan Huberto made them look like peewee players. Yeah, I mean that that play he gets the puck at the top right in the slot, top of the circles, and 98 out of 100 guys are just going to rip that through traffic. And he just the patience on the toe drag, the backhand pass. I think it was a nutmeg, wide open shot. It, yeah, it was so pretty. And what was the final score of that game? Like six one. Yeah, wasn't even close. Yeah, wasn't even close. Which most Senators games aren't. But which, let me be fair for a second, since we're going to talk about great plays and great players. Moving on from Huberto. And we got a couple more guys on our list here, but Anthony Duclair is one of those guys that deserves a little bit of recognition right now. That dude has been unreal the last month. He has 18 goals a season. He had a hat trick the other night. He had two goals last week. He had two goals in two different games last week. He's, he's the only shining star for the senators right now. And for a guy that's bounced around, he spent a year in Columbus, a year in Chicago, a year in New York, three years in Arizona, two in Ottawa. He's gone back and forth between the AHL. He's been on a journey. I'm starting to think he's actually just a really good player. Yeah, that that OT to cap the hat trick and win the game, that was a nice shot. Um, kids get a nice shot. but he's And he's only 24. Yeah, definitely. I mean, going back to our list, Probably revisionist history to say he'd be in the conversation because he didn't come to mind when we did it. But if he continues on this pace, granted, he's got 18 goals, only 25 points on the year. But there's not many other people scoring for that Senators team. So be a little bit fair with his numbers, uh, but definitely a good player and deserves all the recognition and credit that he's getting. Also on my fantasy team. That was quite the pickup for me. Oh, nice. Big part of my big win this week. Uh, Sidney Crosby is back skating with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We've talked a lot about teams hanging in there while big names are out. Pittsburgh is the best example of that. They are tied with Carolina for third place in the Metro without Sidney Crosby. I, I said last year at the end of the playoffs, after they got swept by the Islanders, that it was a real shame for the rest of the East that Sidney Crosby was going to carry the Penguins back to the Stanley Cup. I was being a little bit facetious, but after this stretch without him, obviously they're better with him, but he's not going to have to carry them. And that's another team like the the Avalanche we talked about that's going to put the league on notice when they get Sidney freaking Crosby back. Yeah, I saw a side note. I saw because Crosby's been injured, Kane will finish the decade with the most points. 
fun fact for you. Unnamed source, but I'm trying to look it up right now. It looks to be true. That is... I did not read that, but that is... Uh... Which is pretty impressive. So shout out Patrick Kane, leading goal scorer of the decade. Or point getter, sorry. Um, That's huge. That's a... This is yeah. a big day for me now. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, back to the Jeez. Penguins. Um, you know, we've talked about the Metro quite a bit, but I, they're right there. Like you said, Flyers behind them, Hurricanes in front of them. We talked about when it comes down to the end of the season, we're going to give that edge to the Hurricanes and Penguins over the Flyers. And when you get City Crosby back, it just makes it that much easier. Do you expect any big shakeups in the standings when Crosby gets back, or do they just kind of – Hover in this first place wild card, third place metropolitan standings. Do you think they can get near the Islanders? I They're think, not catching the Capitals. Yeah, I think I, 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 that's a good question. And I think that they would solidify themselves in that three spot um, and separate themselves from Carolina and Philly a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know that the Islanders slow down at all, though. So I think that becomes a race. And I would, I would say at the end of the year, the Penguins fall like three, four points behind them, but solidly in the third spot. Which would set up a rematch, which will be very interesting because, I mean, Pittsburgh has given up. I mean, Islanders, again, only 72 goals against. Pittsburgh, 89 goals against. That's that's not terrible when you look across the rest of the NHL. I mean, it's only three more than Boston's given up, and we've you know praised them up and down. And they've scored 110 goals for. This is all without Sidney Crosby for a significant chunk of time. I I can't make that any more clear than I already have. This it's a huge shakeup, I think, for the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Seeing them, I mean, if they were in the Montreal-Toronto range of 36 points without Sidney Crosby, all we'd be saying is wait till they get Crosby back. Now it's like, oh my God, they're getting Crosby back. And our boy Tristan Yari's been a back-to-back YGS. Huge day. Uh, also, I jinxed him. By mentioning his shutout streak, and then he gave up three goals in the period. So, I'm sorry, Penn's Nation, that that one's on me. God, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to atone to that. I, I I predicted them to win the cup in June. Okay, so maybe that'll help. I mean, I I definitely fell back on that prediction, but I did say it at one point in time. You, however. Sorry, I just slapped my pencil against my desk. You, however, predicted the news of the week. Taylor Hall is an Arizona Coyote. Yeah, we are on Hall Watch for all of a Maple Leafs playoff run. It was, Wait, did, when did that happen? Did that happen yesterday? Saturday is when we went on Hall Watch. Yeah, and it happened. It ended yesterday. Damn it. I said Monday. Damn it. Yeah, no, today's Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. Hey, I was right. Look at me. <laughs> so we were both we were both right. Nice. Uh, but you definitely said Coyotes. Uh, I'm not really – I mean, the details are what they are. I mean, the Devils are getting back a, a decent haul for haul. Huh? But, I mean, nothing too crazy for a rental player. I think the focus is obviously 100% on is there enough room on the ice for Phil Kessel and Taylor Hall? And does this give people confidence that Arizona is not just hot right now, that they're an actual playoff team? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you why it's going to make me put on coyotes games, but I'm going to, I'm going to watch them to see how it works. Like you said, is it, is there enough, can these, 
can these two guys work together? Is the chemistry there? And then, yeah, it's up to them to make me stay. Am I going to keep watching Coyotes games all year? I, I have a feeling that they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, they're definitely, I mean, I'll say it again and again. Any team with Phil to throw Kessel is going to be fun to watch. But what do you, I mean, what do you think about, so 2020 conditional first, I'm assuming the condition is based on him resigning. Also the 2021 conditional third. And forward prospects, Nate Shard, Nick Merkley, and defenseman Kevin Ball, Bale. I couldn't tell you a, a thing about any of those three guys. I can guarantee you that 2020 first round pick is going to be better than any of those three. But this is all about Taylor Hall and the Coyotes. The only thing I'll say about the Devils, and then we can focus on Hall and the Coyotes, or Hall and Yotes, as everyone was so eager to say on Twitter. When I say this takes the pressure off of the Devils, I get laughed at. and They're so bad. How can there be any pressure on them? If he walks away for nothing at the end of the season, things get a lot worse in New Jersey. Yeah. And you start to see guys like Nico Heischer and one year in Jack Hughes starting to say, what, well, what the hell's going on in the front office? I mean, what are we trying to build here? So at least this, at least they went out and got pieces for him. Uh, I don't know what they, if this is what they were asking for and they got everything they thought they could get, but I mean, even Arizona's GM, uh, John Chaka, said he, I mean, he's one of the most elite talents in the game today. Not totally sure that's true this present day, but he has won a Hart Trophy, and he's probably one of the best playmakers as as far as wingers. I, I still think no matter what they get, no matter what you can say about these prospects, Arizona won this trade, and they won it huge. Yeah, the, so the conditional becomes a first if the Oats – do resign Hall, and which I don't think is going to happen. And they win a playoff round. So, oh. so if they do both those, it becomes a first. If they do either one, and only one, it becomes a second. But it's a third if neither of them happen. So, yeah, so the Coyotes a playoff team. I think it does make them a playoff team. I don't know. I just don't know how the Yotes fare in the playoffs. Really? You. you well, let's okay. So Taylor Hall was the end of our player news. We'll go into Coyotes and playoff talk now. Right now, they would be playing the forty-two points. They'd be playing the Dallas Stars, who have been hit or miss at best, and now have a new coach. Do you think the Coyotes would struggle or even ultimately lose that series? I, I if it is the Stars, I think. I I do think the Coyotes would struggle in the in the play. I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in the Coyotes yet, but I mean they got Hall, so uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I undoubtedly think they're a playoff team. I would have to see who they match up with against. But you're right. The way you put it, I think if they're playing, if it is Dallas, I I, w- I would probably give the edge to Arizona for a series. But I don't. I don't know if they make the second round. They only got to get get through one though for for the conditional pick. But that's true. So what? Because I I agree with you. I think they struggle in the first round, no matter their opponent. And I do think they're better off playing 
any wild card team as opposed to the second or third place team in this division because I think Edmonton might be too fast and Vegas might literally kill every Arizona Coyote on the ice. I mean, they're I mean, Vegas is back up in the third in this division. And I'm 100% back on the they're going to get to the playoffs to murder people in the first round. And I don't know what's going to happen after that. I'm still hoping they win a cup, but I don't know what's going to happen after Vegas takes out all that anger on the first in the first round. But I think Arizona winning. I mean, they're leading the division with a game in hand on Edmonton. I they're one of those teams that doesn't score a lot, but doesn't give up a lot. I think, I don't know how much time we need to see Taylor Hall as a coyote to judge a scoring increase. But if they're still hovering around plus 13 in a month, I'd say Taylor Hall is going to be more important as far as clutch goals than completely improving their scoring, which might sound idiotic. But I think when you dive into the playoff sense of things, it makes a little more sense. Yeah, that's a good point because against their own division, like, I mean, like you mentioned, they're, they're, as of right now, they'd be playing the Stars. But if, if you got, like, the Canucks going to run or the Flames somehow jump Dallas and are in that spot, I don't I, – I would bet that the Flames or the Canucks can beat the Coyotes in, in, in a series. But like you said, the whole, the whole thing, it's – because you're right, it's not about how many goals he can score in, the, in a half a season with the Coyotes. It's can he make the team better in clutch moments or – wherever the team is lacking on offense. Cause, cause you're right. They're, they're plus 13. And, and a lot of that comes from their goaltending. They're getting great goaltending. So yeah, if, if there is that a, a huge scoring increase, maybe the coyotes are unstoppable, but I, I, I don't know if half a season is enough for Taylor. Did Hall. you just lock in the coyotes as a Stanley cup? No. Oh my God. I'm just saying the Maria, potential is there. That. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I hear you. And it is one of those things where, you know, we thought adding certain pieces. Well, I don't know about we. I thought adding certain pieces to the Devils would make Taylor Hall unstoppable. Maybe adding Taylor Hall to the right pieces makes that t- a, a new team unstoppable. I think it's gonna. I think the easiest thing for us as hockey fans, analysts, media members, whatever you want to call it, call us, is gonna say their inexperience is gonna get the best of them. I think that's going to be a cop-out for just about everyone in in the hockey community because we just, we just don't know. And then when we get to the playoffs and they get swept or they win in seven or they, you know, win in five convincingly, we're just going to chalk everything. There's two ways to chalk it up, adding Taylor Hall or inexperience. I'm not saying that's an issue either way, but this almost sets up as a win-win for Arizona. I guess my only other question is what would it take for Arizona or what would Arizona have to do for Taylor Hall to want to stay there? Because I don't see Taylor Hall as a long-term coyote other unless they're at worst lose in seven in the second round type of type of team. Yeah, I think they would have to, I mean, Taylor Hall strikes me as a guy who's like likes the spotlight, and there's really not a shadow they, to hide behind it, the Coyotes. I mean, they, they have Phil Kessel, but I think, I, I want to believe that the Coyotes are like, okay, you're our guy, 
like we we're, we want to get better. Let's say we lost in <clears throat> the first round, or the second round, or something like that. We want to make that next step. You're our guy. Let's let's build around you. I think I have a tendency to feel like Taylor Hall could be receptive to that, but I don't know Taylor yeah, Hall that well. But I think that's how I'd approach it. Yeah, I, I mean, when you look at the Coyotes, yes, you know we can joke about Phil Kessel all we want, but an aging Phil Kessel is not going to be in the spotlight in Arizona. Clayton Keller doesn't really seem like a spotlight guy, and Oliver Ekman Larson is definitely not a spotlight guy. And I feel like Hall thrived but, when he carried the Devils on his back. Exactly, and he's he's not going to have to carry this team, but he's still going to have probably have to be the most vital part of the offense because as good as that goaltending is, it, not everybody can be the Islanders, even if you want to structure yourself around what they do. You're going to have to score goals, especially in a division where it doesn't seem like goaltending is all that important to a lot of these teams. I mean, they're they're the only Pacific team that hasn't given up 100 goals. No, Anaheim hasn't, but they they suck. So they don't really <laughs> count. They've given up 97. But Arizona's only given up 84. But they're they're going to have to score more to be successful in the postseason. I If I had to say right now... Taylor Hall is not an Arizona Coyote to start next season. But if I'm if if he is, I think it's because they were legitimate cup contenders at one point in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna take the other side of the coin. I'm gonna say that Arizona I'm I'm gonna put my faith that they know what they're doing. And they're like, you know, Arizona, we're not gonna attract a big name free agent. Let's make it clear to Hall that we have good goaltending. It's there. We're not gonna make you sweat out five to four, six to five games. If you're our scoring you know, we can do this. I have faith that they can pitch it to him like that and they can make it work. So I'm going to say, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. That's, that, that's, that's yeah, that's, I mean, that's totally fair. They're, they're also one of those weird teams. That's 11, four and three on the road, but only eight, eight and one at home. So maybe, maybe they do drop to the third seed on purpose and get some, <laughs> some extra away games in there. Maybe it's just, a- uh, John Jake is also a young GM. So, maybe not so much in the sense of he's relatable to Taylor Hall, but he might be one of those guys that can see eye to eye with Taylor Hall and say, Hey, what do you want? As far as being the face of this franchise, we can probably give it to you. Keep you around for what I can only assume is going to be $10 million a year. And, you know, let us sure up this defense. You'll be the focal point of the offense. And we have goaltenders in Arizona. Didn't lose one of their goaltenders in that trade, which I, which again tells me that they won it handedly. Yeah, it's really it, so. It just comes down to whether or not Arizona feels like at the end of the season that Hall is good enough to be the face of their franchise. If they have that, if they think that he is, then I think that's the way they got to go about it. But it's gonna we're, we're gonna see how much faith they have in him. I guess. Do you think any of this? Do you, if if there's any chance and. We know from recent experience that Lula Murillo is not the most enjoyable guy. But if there's any chance that Taylor Hall had a say in where he went, do you think being in the same division as Edmonton had anything to do with it? Oh, I don't. Did you, I saw a TSN report that Edmonton was had, had approached New Jersey a couple times about him. Or at least Holland said so. But... Yeah. Interesting. I did not. 
I didn't think about that. If now I'm curious. Now I want to know. Now I want someone to ask all the question. <laughs> now I want Edmonton to make the playoffs. I really want to see this matchup. Not that Hall and McDavid would line up across from each other. I don't, maybe Hall's been working on his faceoffs and he knows there's gonna there's gonna be a time in Game Seven, third period. No one's taking a phantom five minute major, so it's even across the ice. And Taylor Hall is going to line up against Connor McDavid, win the face off, and score the game winning goal. Oh. Hold on, I'm just writing this down. Can KJ even- said he wants the Oilers in the playoffs. <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love the Oilers who are three six and one in their last ten to make the playoffs. You heard it here. Too soon. Negative negative two goal differential now. Uh, you said he didn't know Taylor Hall that well. If you if you sat down and had a beer with him, do you think you'd get to know him a little bit better? I think so. Now, would you want to have a Budweiser or a Bud Light? Mm. Depends if this series is in Edmonton or Arizona. Well, if it's in Arizona, you're going to be having a Bud Light. If it's in Edmonton, you're going to be having a Budweiser because the NHL has signed a new contract with Anheuser-Busch to be uh, the official beer sponsor of the league, Bud Light being the official beer of hockey in the United States, and Budweiser uh, likewise in Canada. I haven't seen a ton of talk about this, which surprises me, because I think this is a much bigger deal than people might initially think it is. As much as I love Labatt and Molson and all that, Anheuser-Busch is a household name, and they do incredibly fun and exciting and interactive things across every league organization company corp however you want to put it they involve people and get people out to certain events and can also for what it's worth book better talent for the set events i think this is a great step in the right direction as far as fan interaction and sponsorship in the nhl yeah i mean i Bud Light's got great commercials. If we could get some hockey players in commercials, get that marketing up. I'm trying to look up how long this contract is for. Do you know off the top of your head? Let me see. I've got it right here. Uh, As you just said that, now all I can think about is a Bud Knight hockey Mm. commercial. It writes itself. I don't see... And a multi-year partnership. Yeah, that's all, yeah, that's I, all I can see, too. Yeah, that's all I see. So the partnership is inclusive of all major tentpole events, including the Winter Classic, All-Star Weekend, Stanley Cup Playoffs, Stanley Cup Final. Uh, and in Canada, the agreement includes uh, flavored malt beverages, ready-to-drink beverages, uh, and in Mike's Hard Sparkling Water. Mike's Harder Sparkling Water, uh, becoming a lead brain in the partnership. I mean, everyone just goes on and on about long-standing, uh, I don't know how you want to say it, long-standing partnerships with all sorts of, I mean, clubs within the NHL and other sports. And we always see, you know, whether it's pre-Super Bowl parties or World Series events, I don't really know what they do so much in the NBA. But and they're going to be a big presence across all, you know, broadcasts and intermission shows and everything. And and once people see the Bud Light commercials and Bud Light signs and 
you know, across the boards and wherever it is, I think that's a little bit more of a, we, I don't know. I think just people just recognize and can relate to Bud Light Budweiser more than any, any other beer. Yeah. I, I, really. I would agree. It just seems more just, I could just picture when you said that it's the Bud Light banner on the boards or just, it just fits. Cause I'm I I'm pretty certain I'm almost a hundred percent positive that Labatt is part of Anheuser Busch, and so. I, I, but Molson isn't. Which don't get me wrong, I love a good Molson, but for the NHL in the dog shit marketing department within the league, I mean, this is like a free pass to to do whatever you want and experiment using Bud Light's marketing team. And I mean, more people probably know Andy Goler at Bud Light than if they know him, than any other beer distributor, beer VP, anything within the alcohol business, Andy Goler does it right. And all he does is to quote NBA Twitter. All he has is bangers when it comes to TV marketing, especially yeah. this is huge. I think Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the biggest name in beer. I mean, I know Anheuser-Busch is in St. Louis. I know that. I don't, I don't know if you do that, but I feel like everyone knows that it's just, I don't Coors is Colorado. Maybe I think I know that, but I don't know where anything else is. I mean, it's, I want to see if it helps the NHL market. I, I, I think it will, but I, it has to, I mean, if you screw this up, if you screw this up, with Bud Light behind you, I, I mean, there's no hope for you. Everything we've ever said about the NHL, I know you've taken the side of it's on the fans a little bit too. But if you screw this up, there's yeah. no hope for marketing within the NHL. Do we get an NHL-themed commercial at the Super Bowl? That would be nice. That would be nice. Come on, NHL, yeah, make so- it happen. So apparently Anheuser-Busch has had local partnerships for quite a while with 24 teams. Which, again, goes to the NHL not knowing how to do things right because I didn't know some of these teams were on the list. I mean, Detroit, Chicago, and Vegas are all on this list. And the Capitals. Had no idea. But maybe now that it's a league-wide marketing initiative, if that's what you want to call it, things will get better. I mean, they have to get better. Yeah, I'm optimistic about it. Is it? It's effective immediately. Prefer? I'm assuming. I'm yeah. There's nothing about it not. So I'm assuming. Good. I want to see change tomorrow. They me- <laughs> they mentioned the Winter Classic, and they didn't say next year's Winter Classic. So they probably okay. yeah, it's probably immediately. If you had to pick uh, Bud Light or Budweiser. Are you living in America? Or are you living in Canada? Um, I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live in America most days, but there are days that I would. I I, I do go Canada. But yeah, I mean, this really does suck because I'm not like a an IPA or craft beer like snob. Yeah, me neither. But I'm not a huge Bud Light guy either. But if this helps the NHL, call me in. Yeah, I'll, I'll drink Bud Light for oh. one. When I go light beer, I mean. When you go light beer, exactly. Uh, before we get to our last topic, I have to mention one of the weirdest things that's happened to me in a while. 
other than getting reported on Xbox for being too good. Uh, <laughs> we we got a Christmas gift from our friends. My wife and I, uh, our friends live down the street. They just got married. Mazel tov to them. They gave us a Christmas present that was, uh, it was just these little cookies. They were, or they're like little chocolates. They're called bourbon balls. So I like, I've had, have you ever had a whiskey pickle? No, I've heard of them, but I've never had one. So yeah, it's just like you put pickles in a jar with whiskey and then take them out and put them back in pickle juice from what I understand. And they've got a bite to them, but it's not like you're eating a, a pickle that's been soaked in whiskey for years. It's like, yeah, I probably dipped this pickle in whiskey and then ate it. And it's, it's not overbearing. I had two bourbon balls and couldn't finish my article last night. <laughs> it is, and you take, I mean, you taste it too. It's like, I, the, as soon as I took a bite of one, I was like, wow, that's a little stronger than I thought. And as I was swallowing the rest of it, I'm like, Oh my god! I think I just took like two or three shots. <laughs> I'm looking at him now. Did you have it, Did you have like a chocolate one or a powdered one? I so there's both in there. I had one of each because oh. I wasn't sure if they'd be the exact same. But yeah, so I wrote that article about it's out on Belly of Sports right now in all of our twitters. It's Booger McFarlane and Pierre McGuire being so similar. But I was writing it out last night, and I wasn't like typing like I was dys- dyslexic, but I wasn't able to like open a tab search what I needed to, and then translate that to my article. It took me like 10 minutes to look up each tidbit of information I needed. It was, I was, I was slowed way down. Thanks to these bourbon balls. How many coming to, but, like, is it, do you have to be a certain age to buy these? Like what? That's the thing. You have to be. After eating two of them, you have to be. I'm so curious but now. Bourbon they came balls. in like a little ceramic kind of like basket bowl type thing. There's probably 10 or 12 in there. The wife can't have any of them. She had like half of one and gave me the other half. She's like, nope, can't do that. She's not a big liquor drinker. But And that's the th- like you have to be a liquor drinker to enjoy these, which I am. But I was – so if anybody wants to send the podcast uh, bourbon balls, we, we are very <laughs> open to that. Yes, I want to try some of these. I feel like they'd be popular down by you. I bet, I bet if I start now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start the seeing them everywhere. Belt, I bet. I yeah, now, yeah, now that I mention them, you're gonna see them. See, I don't know if they're like in liquor store. They have to be in liquor stores. I don't know. Well, are they like a Christmas thing? Are, or, like, is it seasonal? It's definitely the ones we got were definitely meant for Christmas. Like they didn't see these and say like, "Oh, Kyle and Stephanie would like those." They saw like they saw them in the Christmas section of the liquor because in Pennsylvania. And it's horrible here because we both lived in Michigan. So we know like you can get a case of beer from the gas station. Here there's a beer mill and a liquor store. And you have to go to like if you need, you know, a bottle of Captain Morgan and a case of shout out Bud Light. You you have to go to both places. I know in other states you don't have to do that. Is it the same in in Tennessee or is it different? Uh, It's it's they've got liquor stores everywhere here. Like everywhere. Are liquor stores the only place? Like, could you get liquor at the grocery store? Yeah. Yep. They just changed it. It's like you so, used to not be able to on Sundays. And so like none of them had it, but they changed it. Now that, yeah, now it's everywhere. You are so lucky. Enjoy that. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, sorry for that tangent. But if you see bourbon balls and you don't enjoy bourbon balls, 
uh, I'll I'll open a, a PO box for the podcast, and you can you can send them there. Yeah, I mean they look like and then I'll they look like something you'd see at a Christmas family gathering, but I I can see why they're not so prevalent because you probably have to put a sign next to them. Based on yeah, you definitely me. do. Yeah. They based yeah. I'll, I'll we'll tweet out a, a photo of them after this episode goes live. But they kind of look like the C's candies that you get in the Christmas assortment. Uh, there's like a couple, like they're definitely ball shaped, but they look like they come in those little paper foil uh, candy assortments that you get at Christmas and even sometimes Valentine's Day, I guess. But very good. Yeah, we'll put it out. We'll be the good guy. We'll be like, just, hey, don't let your three or four year olds around these if you see them at the dinner table. By the way, wink, wink, if you want to have a good time. Yeah, I put some hair on a four-year-old's chest. That's for damn sure. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, and I don't have a lot to say about it because it just feels like we're saying the same thing over and over again. Department of Player Safety is under fire again. They they just can't seem to get it right, and now George Peros is completely under fire. I mean, not just from fans like he normally is, but now even other, sorry, I'm looking this up as I, as I talk about it now, even like Wyshynski was going after him a little bit more so than usual. He, George Peros is literally overwhelmed running his own department. We've talked about it before. George Peros is obviously, I don't Brawler doesn't seem fair, but enforcer for sure in his playing days. Is it time that we get people that were on the other end of these big hits, elbows, cheap shots, however they are? Um, is it is it time that we get someone on that end into player safety? I, I feel like it's not going to change until it happens. Uh, <clears throat> why, why are they under so much fire? Because uh, I was slightly surprised you had them on our pre, uh, pre-show pre prep. Do they do something? I mean, you said with Shinsi's going after him. What? Well, so Joe Farabee just got three games for interference on Matthew Perot. It, as much as I love to see Flyers fans upset about something, Flyer Brady Kachuk, the Brady Kachuk situation, which I'm not sure if we covered on the podcast, but we definitely did on Twitter. Uh, Brady Kachuk went after uh, Scott Lawton after his arm that he just had surgery on cross-checked him and then jumped him when he was on the ice and got fined like 15 grand or something like that. Or maybe even five grand. So fast forward 10 days, two weeks, Joel Farabee gets three games for a egregiously late hit on Matthew Perot a few days ago. And he got three, he got three games for it. And now people are just trying to figure out what the hell player safety is is doing and where the consistency is. To me, these aren't really relatable offenses. Like what Brady Kachuk did was just like a cheap shot that you can definitely take out of the game. Joel Farabee, if you didn't see the hit, basically Perot passes behind the back up the boards in his own zone. And you can probably count to three before Farabee hits him. It's a clean hit, but it was up high enough to basically, it's one of those like flips straight to the ice type hits. 
And of course, Perot hit his head. He was hurt, which most people would after a hit like that. It, it looked bad. Did it deserve three games based on what player safety has done in the past? No. But does it deserve three games just looking at it? Absolutely. So now people are just – people want transparency and consistency. And I have to agree with them in the sense that they're they're not getting consistency. Yeah, I did. I was literally as you were talking, I looked it up because I had I didn't even hear about this. I guess I've been watching some some good hockey lately. But uh, but this it's honestly how bad the Department of Player Safety is. I probably it would probably just scrolled right past it on Twitter. People are probably like, "Oh, what a joke, Department of Player Safety." And I was like, "Yep, yep." What's new? What's new? <laughs> Heard it all before. Yep. But yeah, I just watched it. It's that's rough. It's like, I mean, I. <laughs> I like to give, you know, when a situation like that, because you said it's not a bad hit, he wasn't going for the head or anything, and he probably was expecting a little more pushback from Pro, but I, still, it just makes no sense why he do that. Yeah, I mean, Pro's not exactly a big guy. My thing is, like, when you, like, circling back to the Robert Bortuzzo hit, cross-check on Victor Arvidsson, that only got one more game than Joel Farabee. And to be honest, you just can't make sense of that. There's no argument to make sense of that. You can't make sense of that. Yeah. Because you run the risk of. So the Department of Player Safety logic would be okay, Farabee gets one game, which turns into a fine. They, They almost don't do one game suspensions. Actually, this entire season, they haven't done one game. Interesting. It's been two games. Yeah. Like Lowry got two, Lucic got two, Kerfoot got two. Yeah, so they're they're basically not doing one game suspensions. They're just fining people. Which whatever. But give Robert Bortuzzo the twenty five games he deserves, and then you don't have to worry about Farabee getting three to six games. I don't think he deserves six games. Five would be the absolute max. And I don't think Farabee this was Farabee's first offense. So three games is totally fine. The problem is, is you're not giving other people deserving of longer suspensions, the longer suspensions. Yeah, there's so much difference between what Farabee did and and a cross check. Because a cross check is like almost, you know, that's it's an intent to hurt. I don't know if you're 100% intending to hurt, but it's just, you're right. Because I don't have a problem with the three either. But it's when you bring in the fact that a cross check gives you four. And spitting gets you three. Didn't spitting get three? Yeah, spitting got Gary Hathaway three. Jesus. And Eric Cernak's elbow to Rasmus Dahlin that I think Dahlin is just now coming back from. I didn't. I I don't know that off the top of my head, but Dahlin was out for a good while. Mm-hmm. Cernak only got two games, and that's intentionally trying to injure somebody. Yeah, elbow to a again. Head. Probably should have been 10 at least, and he gets less than Farabee. I don't think Farabee was trying to injure anyone. I don't have, other than him wearing orange and black, I don't have beef with Joel Farabee. And I, I'm not going to say he's a dirty player from, from this incident because, again, I think he got what he deserved. It's everyone else, and this is Department of Player Safety's problem. Now, the next Robert Bortuzzo-type incident if they give 25 games, the world's going to explode. Yeah. This is, if they give 15 games, I mean, there's going to be, it's going to be anarchy. They've dug themselves such a deep hole. 
So you're right. It goes back to what you initially said. There's got to be change up top. Maybe we do need a little more voice of reason. I just think, like, if you look at every every victim is not a – I don't even know if the, what the right word for it is. But, like, all the offenders, for the most part, are, like, big dudes and physical guys – a lot of these victims are not. Matthew Perot, Rasmus Dahlin, Victor Arvidsson. I don't know a lot about Cole Sherwood. Pierre, Pierre Edward Belmar is he's a bigger guy. But like these are all guys who definitely aren't the type that are making decisions as far as player safety. And I'm thinking they probably should be yeah. after the way this season has gone. Do you think there's any chance that I don't know if it's at the end of next season or at the end of the next, you know, at the start of the next CBA that player safety will just announce one day. You know what? Everything we've ever done in the past doesn't matter. Starting today, we have a new, I I don't know if they've released like a chart of their guidelines and how things are going to start because then you'd start talking about, all right, well, if you're doing a clean slate, as far as what you've done in the past, what about repeat offenders? You know, what if Marshan does cheap shot someone or God forbid Milan Lucic is still in the league, starts spearing people again. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for them to find a way to say, listen, elbows to the head are now going to get you 20 games and you're going to start at 20 games. If we can deem that you had intent, you're going to miss a quarter of the season. I just don't know how how they would do it logistically across the league. I think, yeah, because, well, especially with the way that the game is evolving and, and how it's being played nowadays, it almost seems like, yeah, you need to have that clean, like you said, whether it's a new CBA or, God forbid, you know, some players or coaches or something goes on strike until we have a new de- department of player safety. I hope it doesn't get to that, but I think, yeah, the gray area is repeat offenders. Guys with reputation, stuff like that. But I, I think it beats any other. Like, you can't just hang in this balance of, well, you know, look what we gave this guy six years ago. Like, I think it's got it's got to happen yeah. clean. I I hope they can reach that, that point in, I mean, maybe things just have to get so bad that they have to, decide on that but we're definitely trending towards get things getting that bad yeah and there's i i mean we look at the numbers there's less and less fights less and less enforcers in the game every year Uh, eventually you're just going to get it to where there's only one or two enforcers and uh, those guys we just can't keep doing what we're doing which is better which yeah yeah i mean if there's if there's one guy on each team one or two guys on each team that are, I mean, for lack of a better term, headhunters, you, well, one, you definitely reduce the chance of these horrific things happening on the ice, but you also can kind of isolate who is most likely going to be your repeat offenders and crack down on them. Because when teams realize that, all, all these guys are attributing to his game, uh, man games lost or however they categorize the NHL. 
there's going to be less of those guys and less of those guys. And finally, player safety won't get ridiculed because we won't have cheap shot players doing cheap shot things. Yeah. At least I would hope. Yeah, I like that. That's all. And I like this podcast, and I don't think we missed anything. Oh, actually, there is one last thing uh, I want to talk about. Tucker Tynan. If you don't know the name, Google it, T-U-C-K-E-R-T-Y-N-A-N. Tucker Tynan is an OHL goalie, and he he had one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen. Uh, he was, it, without getting too graphic, he was hit by a skate blade in a collision in the crease. There was a huge pool of blood. He had emergency sur- surgery. He basically almost bled out right there on the ice, and... Thank God for the trainers, first responders, EMS, all the way up to the surgeons. They saved this kid's life. He's 17 years old, and he's going to live. He's going to be okay. He was released from the, from the hospital today, earlier today. Uh, if you're squeamish, definitely don't watch the video. If you're interested in some of the dangers that surround hockey, you know, I don't recommend watching the video, but there are articles out there about, you know, Talking about what happened, we're thankful he's okay. And shout out to Tucker Tynan. Uh, we hope one day you can get back out there on the ice. But man, was that a wake up call? I, I mean, I love the sport of hockey more than anything in the world. Well, second in the world, but uh, <laughs> it it was a a reminder that this game is oh so dangerous. Yeah, I Google his name. I'm not going to watch a video. I don't do well with that, but. Ugh. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely. If you don't do well with it, don't don't watch the video, but definitely know that, you know, if you do watch the video, he is OK. He was released from the hospital. Uh, it was gruesome, but thank God, you know, Tucker's going to be OK. But other than that, I don't think we missed anything. I don't think so. We uh, got a good. We didn't get any feedback on last week on last Saturday's episode, but. No feedback is sometimes good feedback. We hope you guys enjoy the more laid back weekend type things. We have a lot in the works. And we're so excited to bring it to you as the new year comes around. This Saturday is going to be our holiday episode. All things Christmas. We'll be reaching out on Twitter for any questions, ideas, themes, whatever. If you're listening to this and you have an idea at Puck Puck Pass Pod on Twitter, reach out to us. Uh, But until then... This was at Puck Puck Pass Pod for at Belly Up Zach Mac for Maria. I'm at Belly Up KJ. Thank you guys so much for listening. We don't catch you on the Saturday episode. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. All that good stuff. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Go Yotes. We saw no light. We saw no signal. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K at Belly Up Zach Mac and at Puck Puck Pass Pod. Thank <laughs> you.